Man, last week's episode was so enjoyable. It's great to get some perspective on a band that I've heard a billion times. Right. You know, like I, I felt like I was listening to those songs, even your songs too. I felt like I was listening to them for the first time. I had that feeling as well, yeah. Like I, yeah. That I was hearing them anew. And I was like nervous. <laughs> I, was, I, I felt like I was showing them like, it was like a show and tell thing where it's like, these are my toys. You know, because it's so... I mean, it kind of was, yeah. I mean, you you put more behind it. That My picks were less kind of like emotionally loaded. Well, I'm glad you uh, took that extra effort, though. I didn't, I didn't love your picks on the day of, but looking back on it, I do like them now. Because it was kind of like... Um, it wasn't even intentionally you went with Beatles deep cuts. It was like you just... You went with songs that like you felt were fresh to you. I think probably because you maybe listen less or whatever. You right, think. yeah. Maybe because they're maybe not necessarily as good as the uh, the cream of the crop. But I mean, the Beatles cream of the crop is like at least 100 songs. It's a, it's a big <laughs> slice. It's a lot of big bowl of cream. Uh-huh. Uh, we need to find more non-Beatles fans to have on the show and just keep doing that episode over and over again. That's just going to become the podcast. I mean, that's that's really what people want to hear. They don't want I to mean, hear about Based on the listens Japanese we got last shit. week. Yeah. <laughs> based on the listens, I mean, how long until we become a Beatles exclusive podcast? How many weeks? <laughs> well, or we could become a, a Kurgovich exclusive Kurgovich podcast. Kurgovich exclusive. I'd be down with that too. I think they were tuning in for him. Maybe it was Kurgovich. Sergeant Podcast Lonely Hearts Club Band uh, or something to that effect. Oh, man. <laughs> That's really what I don't want to do. That's but if I have to, I will. <laughs> That's me on the podcast. Sharing a song with something to say about it. With Thin Lear and Niagara Moon. Losing my opinion. I, I just want to say I am internationally celebrated indie musician Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas. Uh, I am widely detested indie musician Thin Lear, a.k.a. Matt Longo. Or just Matt, actually. The last name thing is so formal here. Yeah. Uh, But today, you know, you said something a while back that got stuck in my craw. Also, this is Losing My Opinion, a podcast where we surprise each other with uh, songs and unusual takes. The other person has no idea what to expect, but just that we're going to be listening to some tunes. You may proceed. Sometimes we surprise each other with the introduction of the podcast. Uh, (laughs) It's all a surprise. I'm particularly off this week. I don't know about you. (laughs) No, I'm sick. So, yes. Fuck. Uh, This is also an episode that I, like, sort of prepared for, which I think will make things worse. Because I found that the more (laughs) I put in, the less I get out. And ain't that life. But uh, this is one of those days where I'll just be talking at you. So Mm -hmm. feel free to please interrupt me. At okay. Any point. You got it. We're going to talk I about. I specialize in that. You do, <laughs> you do a great job at it. Uh, to my wife's uh, delight. Yeah. We talked about a guy that you called uh, John Preen a while oh, back. Oh, Mr. Preen. Yeah. yeah. The Supreme or, or John, Preen. The, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that today. Uh, this guy's one of my heroes. And my argument is going to be pretty basic that this artist needs to be in the conversation. Of those unimpeachable heavy hitter songwriters, okay. like your Leonard wow. Cohen, John John Pernay, John Prawn, the one and only. Uh, same con- same breath as the Joni Mitchell. Same breath as the Bob Dylan. Okay, wow. We're going to try to rectify this today. Yeah, why uh, don't I know his music? What's going on there, John Prine? I'm going to try to get into that. I'm going to try to get into it. I mean, I think 
Well, I mean, okay, so I, I guess I'll start from this perspective. I was trying to figure out how to get into this. It's like, this is like one of those artists where it's like, I kept putting it off because like, I, I feel like I'm not going to do him justice. Uh, I just give up. I give up. I'm never going to have the podcasting skills to feel like I'm going to do him justice. So we're just going to do it. Yeah. Just I'll, do him injustice. I'll do him injustice. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real today. I have only cried twice at the death of people I never actually met. Uh, once was when Leonard Cohen died because it felt like, you know, part of my soul was going with him. And two was when John Prine died. And it was like near the beginning of COVID. It just so happened I was like really relying on his music a lot at that time. Mm. When I say relying on his music, like that's what you do with a songwriter like John Prine. You, you kind of just like, you don't just listen to his songs, you lean on them for support. Um, I'll add a caveat to that, that I was very upset when Bowie died, but uh, he always kind of felt like he was from another planet. So it was like a little bit less personal because he's so larger than life. It was like, you know, I already saw him as superhuman. But anyway, John Prine, guy was a mailman before he hit it big. And it's like- Love, love it. Yeah. And it's kind of part of his mythology. Him and Bukowski. <laughs> yeah. Very different guys. Uh, <laughs> very different guys. Uh, it's kind of perfect for him, that part of his mythology, because like, and I think this is part of maybe why you don't know him, but like his music is kind of blue collar and it's aesthetic. But I'm it's getting like, a sense he's a man of the people. It's like intellectual blue collar stuff. Cool. All right. Uh I don't I quite know. I don't, that's not the best description, but like, uh, I feel like it's a part of who he is. He uses- well, Like so Bill Burr. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Okay. Like he, he uses some combination of the same four or five chords uh, over and over again, similar to Leonard Cohen. Hey, I'm down with that. But damn, does he make the most out of those chords and his, his finger picking style, which is also like, you know, it's not rudimentary, but he does go back to the well a lot with it. Um, first album, one of the best records of all time, I feel. It's self-titled. I'm guessing this is all early 70s, this yes. initial run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a songwriting masterclass, the first record. He kind of set the bar, like, impossibly high. Uh, but his sophomore record is also great. And he's got another bunch of classic records. Bruised Orange is also great. Uh, there are too many classic songs of his to count. And he's kind of like, do you know Towns Van Zandt? I only know the legend. Uh, okay. I haven't heard the songs themselves. So we'll get to him at some point too, but like... Yeah. I know he's a Debbie Downer. He, sometimes, yeah. He, he writes a good, sad song. Yeah. Uh, his, his track record is similar to his where it's like the, the, the average of... His batting average is very high with the amount of good to great songs on his records. So I'm going to just like... I don't want to do a huge preamble to him uh, because he is so... Uh, his, because his message is so direct, I don't want to hype it beyond what I've already done. You want it to speak for itself. I want to speak for itself, which is what he does. Uh, I want to start with a song called How Lucky, which is kind of like his one of his trademark songs. He has a bunch of trademark songs, like songs that sort of sum up his life ethos. All right. Uh, and it's a very complicated song lyrically that's dressed up as simplicity. And he does that really well, maybe better, better than anybody. Uh, and I want you to... Take it in. Now, what if I don't like it? What do I do then? That's fine. We're, then we're going to be listening to a bunch of songs that you don't like today. Oh, man. But I, I'm gonna, I would get a lot of hate in that case, right? Like, isn't he just everybody loves him? Oh, yeah. You better watch you your ass. You can't fault him. Yeah. You better watch your back. All yeah. right. So I got to know what I'm getting into here. I, 
you know, you might not like it. I mean, you don't kind of, he, he really sits at this cross section of like folk and country, um, mm. but yeah. it's kind of part of the indie crowd in the way that Towns Van Zandt is, where it's just like they yeah. adopted him because he's just too cool to, to be pigeonholed by any one genre. Yeah, it was kind of ahead of their time, or at least Van Sant seemed that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I think John Prine was, too, lyrically. Uh, he's just, he's on another level. I mean, you'll, you'll hear it. Yeah. All right, how lucky. But you don't, you don't have to like him. You don't have to like him. You're not going to get your feelings hurt at all if I'm like, I don't get it. No, because there's so enough people. I'm, I'm, I'm psyching myself up to just shut you down here, because I feel like I would have gotten into him by now if I was There are enough gonna people happen. that, like, kind of feel the same way about him that I don't need okay. more people to love him, but you're, you're covered. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's like, it's, 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 it's deceptively simple because the more you listen to his melodies and his lyrics, uh, the more they just kind of get woven into your life. And I, and I mm. think he maybe does that better than anybody. All right. Well, I'm excited to check it out. I just, I do have to put it out there. I think you've already heard me mention this, but I'm not the biggest lyrics guy. If if not enough is happening in other departments, I can I can get a little bored. I'm a, a little bit of a philistine when it comes to poetry. Okay, then this might be a rough episode. <laughs> <laughs> How lucky the album is Pink Cadillac. Yes, it's not very blue collar. No, this was this was a more like synthy modern sounding record. Uh-huh. Um, he did this record uh, at Sam Phillips Recording Service. And I think he, I think Sam Phillips actually produced this record. I'm I'm pretty sure he mm-hmm. did, and it's like just a, a more modernized sound than his usual thing, which which is a, a more stripped back or organic, mm. folky kind of sound. So this is him a different direction. But I want to okay. start with this one because I feel like it kind of sums up who he is. Okay, I'm I'm ready to dive in. Let's go. I feel like Nico's gonna come in. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, he's got that Jackson Brown finger picking. Today I walk down the street I used to wander. Yeah, shook my hand and I made myself a bit. Well, there was all these things that I don't think I remember. thought of an anecdote to share with you so in my teens my uh my phase back in that time was uh like weirdo electronic music you know 
experimental electronic music, uh, stuff on Warp Records, things like that, Square Pusher. My parents knew this. They weren't all that impressed. Uh, but I think one time I was playing, you know, one of the great all-time Aphex Twin tracks, like Alberto Balsalm or something like that. And my mom heard it, and she's like, oh, is this you? I go, oh, is this what you're working on? They're right. Where in the same way, if you put that on with you singing at Thin Lear, and you told me it was a Thin Lear song, I'd be like, oh, neat. Mm. That's pretty good. But obviously that's not <laughs> the right no. way to hear it, you know? No. So well, I don't know what, I'm missing something. Yeah, I think... Um, not that you can't be as good as John Preen. Come on now. Uh, I don't think I'm as good as John Preen. I, I think... Uh, I, just, I, did, I didn't a, even do that on purpose. I fucked that up. You fucked it up again. I was going to uh, say... I'm but so disrespectful. If you say you don't like his song and then you mispronounce his last name. <laughs> this man is dead. Uh, so it's, it's, I'll, I'll focus lyrically on you know, the fact that he delivers these lines that are seemingly simplistic. And then the more you hear them, kind of the darker or more complicated it gets. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you were to listen to this passively, you might not get it. And that's kind of what we do on this podcast is we listen to shit passively. Like I, don't, I can't think of a song that you've presented or that I've presented where it's like <laughs> we actually really listen to it. And <laughs> we just kind of, it goes into your ear holes. And I, you, I think I listen to the wrong things first for this type of music. I'm like caught up on the boom, 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 and oh, there's a harmonica over here. Right. Oh, it kind of sounds like this. Like I'm taking everything on face value too much. I'm not. There's that's all the distraction to get you the, to the deeper meaning that this music has to people, and I'm not. I don't. I don't mm. go that far. I don't know why. Let's let's do a song that is. Yeah, I'll say it with that one. What I'm saying for anyone who's like, why is that a complicated song? He's talking about how lucky he is. Um, the point is, he's t- he's talking about m- misremembering or not remembering huge swaths of his life, like he's forgetting about stuff that he regrets, and he's saying that makes him a lucky person, which is like yeah. <laughs> Over pretty, my head. pretty dark. Is he, is he an alky or what? Kind of thing. No, I, that's the thing. He's, he's, I mean, he did have, I think, problem at, at one point in his life, but I think it's just more about basic human condition type stuff where it's but like- You see just ooh. what's in front of you, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's another song that I do want to listen to called Bruised Orange, where he talks about that. It's about an altar boy who, I mean, he worked at a church as a maintenance guy too at one point. And there was an altar boy who got hit by a train that was coming up behind him and it was moving slowly. And the kid didn't notice because he was fixated on something. And like that, he then he extrapolates a whole song from that scenario and, and you know, centers it on the human condition of like anxiety, <laughs> kind of putting blinders on you. So you're not, you're not watching what's happening in front of you. Uh, he does that really well. He gets these little sort of mundane moments and he, he, uh, steps back from them and it's this universal feeling. And he's also, I, I think he's so beloved too because of who he was. Like I made a record with Matt Ross Spang, uh, Memphis producer in uh, 2021 that hopefully we'll see the light of day. Hell soon. yeah. And, and he worked directly with Prine as an engineer and a producer. And this was in Nashville. And they recorded the song, they re-recorded it, How Lucky, for this like Amazon series. And they got to know each other well. And Prine gave him a Cadillac because Spang mentioned that he liked what Prine was driving at one point. He just <laughs> gave him a Cadillac. Uh, it's absurd. And everybody has like some, everyone down there in Nashville has some kind of story about running into him and him being as wonderful and magnanimous as they hoped wow. he'd be. Um, so he's one of those rare birds that, you know, he is who he is. 
Yeah, he's, I can already tell, he's somebody that I would love to get to know in person. I'd love to hear him on a podcast. It's just unfortunate that I start hearing the boom, 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 like that sonic structure, and I just, I, I tune out when I shouldn't. Let's that's, go to, that's not fair. Let's go to something from his first record. Uh, right. Put on the song Angel from Montgomery. Ooh, somebody covered this, right? I've this heard song of this has been song heavily, title. heavily yeah, covered. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie Raitt did a really big version of it. Uh, a few other people. It's been around. So did he he wrote this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. All right. It's another one of his trademark tunes. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do like a deep cut thing with you today because it's just like not the point. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to get the point either way. I, I already feel like. <laughs> I'm not looking to prove my fandom to anybody here. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. But this this track, he's singing them from the perspective of a woman who has just had it with her marriage. Had it with her checked out husband. She has a burning desire to get the hell out of her current situation. And there's this like snarl and desperation to the song. And mm. I can't think of too many other songs that are like it in terms of like the content and style. All right, let's see if this one goes over my head too. I I am gonna try. I do generally really try to to give these some. You know, you took the time to think of you know what you love about these songs or why you want to show them, what you have to say about them. I do try to put in the effort to really you know lock in. Sure. But, uh, we'll see if that still just goes in vain. Angel from Montgomery. I do like this picture of him on the hay bales. I, I that's think his, I've seen this before. Yeah, it's his first record cover. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Here we go. I like the piano. Ooh, we got a organ too. This is going to be easier already. This is 70s, so yeah. Early 70s. I am an old woman Named after my mother My old man is another Child has grown old If dreams were lightning Thunder were desire Oh, I've heard the uh, the Dylan version of this. He does a cover. Sing this one. I didn't know that. Either him or the band. I. Oh, either one. Flies from Montgomery. <laughs> I feel like I've heard <laughs> his delivery on this. Yeah, I can see either of them doing this. want to like this more than I do. Yeah. I think I, I've started to put together somewhat of an explanation, maybe. All right. And I, I am familiar with that song. That's, uh, you know, I would say that's rightfully a, a country-ish classic. I can see why a lot of people would cover that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, that song's a classic. That's, that's a stone cold killer right there. So they tell me. Maybe this will save my ass somewhat. I, you know, the story that he's telling if you depict that story in prose or if you filmed that story, either of those options would engage me more than the medium of like 
this what is it's like musically pretty modest right like like you said he uses you know very few chords his voice is very plain limited range it's recorded very matter-of-factly uh you know the point is the story he's getting across the the way he tells it i i i would appreciate it more in a different medium i think that might be what's going Mm. on here i think you tend to like busier music too busier or uh like just more melodic exploration more adventurous or you know just more unusual instruments or arrangements or like uh yeah and ambiguous lyrics where it's Mm. like i hear it or you know maybe surreal or just the meaning is like i gotta kind of start doing some work on my end to piece together what's going on i like little puzzles like that straightforward Mm. stuff like this uh, especially if it's like slow well i think i think this is like a key schism and in the way that we look at music, like what we consider to be complicated versus simple, yeah. you know, that I think you would present me something heavily synth-based or electronic from like the 2010s and I'd be like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> yep. And, you know, and not- I'd be like, this is the greatest shit ever. I don't right, know what and talking not about. find meaning in it. I think it's because uh, the way we also approach songwriting too, where it's like, what is the emotion that's being conveyed yeah. versus how is it being conveyed? And I think that's, like a difference between yeah. the two of us. And maybe Prine sort of represents that. I'm going to play one more for you. I'm, and I I'm think, ready. Actually, I, I, I can't decide which one I should do. You're not going to like either of them, but they're both. I'm basically <laughs> just it's, t- it's talking, not any, talking to the listener no, at this point. There's no level of dislike. It's just a, uh, like, it's just, it's apathy more than anything else. Right, it's it not on any level, like, I don't like this or this bothers me. Nothing like that. It's just a... Uh, Oh, okay. Right. It doesn't it doesn't grab you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is like, I don't know, name one of your favorite artists, like Joni Mitchell or whatever. You know, right. this is somebody that is like one of the greatest songwriters of all time for me. And I know for a lot of people, they, they feel that way. And I think it's the directness of the music that they respond to, where this is not somebody who is having to put on a mask in order to impress you. And I think that if you are looking for that mask... In the music. Oh, I like masks. Uh, yeah, that's you're I'm not all gonna about f- that. Find I it. like obfuscation. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, this is not a guy that's gonna uh, do that. I mean, there's there's theater in the music in the sense that there's theater as a part of the storytelling. But beyond that, there's no there's no persona. Uh, I think it's like kind of hard on sleeve sort mm. of stuff. You're uh, more hard on sleeve than I am in general. I think I've come to that. Uh, Maybe you're more you're more more emotionally in tune. That's what it. Uh, or the you str- come at music with a more open heart. Or the struggle to find that, you know. Yeah. And, and I think that he is not always succeeding in figuring out how he's feeling. But like that, a lot of the songs are sort of about that discovery. Put mm. on. Um, yeah. What do we got? I'll give you something horrifying. Put on the song Sam Stone. This is also from his first record. All right. Oh, this is from the Haybell one. All right. Yep. It's a real barn burner. It sure is. Yeah. This record, like almost every song is brilliant. It's just like, you know, I don't know how he put pen to paper again after this. Because it's like, you know, like this that story of you have your whole life to make your first record and then like six months to make the second one. Right. And, so th- this is the traditional favorite. Uh, a lot. Yeah, I would say most people would say this was his best. I, I, it's kind of hard to argue that it's not his best record. Uh, I think he has some other amazing ones but it's yeah kind of unimpeachable all right uh this song is about a vietnam vet 
Uh, and the lyrics of this one are more brutal than any death metal song I've ever heard. And it's sung in this sweetly, you know, down-home voice over these tranquil chords and the effect, the dichotomy between those things is like pretty chilling. Okay. All right. You're, you're selling me on it. And I, I, maybe I should state for the record, I don't not care about lyrics. Like part of my enjoyment of what's going on is the themes he's exploring, what he's saying, the time in which he said it. Like that's important to me. Over, you know, I don't want him just doing vocal scatting, but it's also got the bass line. It's got the groove. It's got the lush arrangements. It's I, I want both. I can't just hang my hat on. Uh, you know what I'm? Did that make sense? Yeah, and it's also the way in which he's putting it across. Because there are people who dislike Randy Newman, but who love songwriting, who yeah. just can't get you know they can't get on board. Or Joni Mitchell or whatever. Be like, this is precious. Or you know. Oh, get out of town, Joni Mitchell, being precious. That I, mean, that I, that I have no tolerance for. But I mean, but the, but we all have that kind of thing. Like where we it's do, just you, where you, you just can't get past a certain aspect of the delivery because these are not traditionally amazing singers, you know. You're you're Randy Newman's, yeah. you're Joni Mitchell's, you're uh, John Prine, or um, yeah, who are we talking about the Leonard other day? Cohen. <laughs> oh yeah, sure, Leonard Cohen, where he rumbles your speakers. I mean, these are people where it's like, I think you can acknowledge their craft, but if you can't yeah. get on board with their voice, you're just not going to be into it. Yeah, and it's it's not even that I dislike his voice, but it's both a little hard for me to understand what he's saying. And it's not, Leonard Cohen is like, even if obviously he's not technically gifted, but it's like, Ooh, this is cool. This is a vibe in a way that John, John Prine seems like he's just servicing the story he's trying to tell or the lyrics. Like I, there's no, you know, it, what would a John Prine impression sound like? Would it be kind of, you know, doesn't really stick out to at least to my ears as much but i've already dug my own hole deep enough yeah. i think we should uh, i'm like terrified to bring Stone you here. towns van Zandt now because it's just like <laughs> i don't think i'll like him i don't think i just i think you have a uh, sorry a dislike for like country and folk and uh and when, I get, when like, it gets real slow i get when it's slow and limited vocal range i i start drifting off yeah i'm, t- I'm terrible well it's strange because you like dylan though well, Dylan is is lively, and Dylan's got a lot of stuff I don't like. But that's he's he's a multifaceted. Uh, he contains multitudes. He's got a lot of different eras. So do you kinda, like early Dylan? I do like some early Dylan songs, plenty. Yeah, but the, you know, there's that gets back to that kind of more surreal, ambiguous. What does that mean? What's that doing? He's he's got hooks too. Mm-hmm. Hard rain's gonna fall. Come on. Mm. Anyway, we're we're back to Sam Stone here. I'm guessing you said Vietnam vet. John Prine wrote about it, so I'm guessing drugs are involved here. Yes. All right. Pretty, get, it's pretty brutal. Get ready here. Yeah. Sam Stone came home to his wife and family after serving in the conflict overseas. And the time that he served. I like this one the best so far. All his nerves. Uh. Jesus 
Okay. Why do I like this one so much more? Don't stop to count the years. Sweet songs never last too long. That's a fucking bummer. Broken radios. Oh, this this one grabs me a lot more, yeah. Sam Stone's welcome home. Didn't last too long. The arrangement's doing a lot for me too. Yeah, I think you might like uh, other songs off that first record that are more okay. have more uh, ornamental like, flourishes. Yeah, this one's got a little more movement to it. He's really he's getting to this story in a very clear-cutting, concise way. That's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, fucking bummer, man. <laughs> Um, there's a hole in daddy's arm roll the money goes is like yeah, I've heard that just like as an idiom or something <laughs> like that's just in the zeitgeist it's horrible it's, it's yeah. a horrible in daddy's arm image. don't talk about daddy <laughs> that way yeah shooting up it is just terrible I mean that song you know there's often a positivity to his songs where, or there's some kind of message you know he's like Nathaniel Hawthorne yeah uh, this, this is how we'll get through it, folks. This one that is, kind of vibe. Th- but this is Edgar Allan Poe. You know, this is. I like, think I like the Poe version side like of him Poe more. Yeah, side of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of he often comes back to tragedy, and and sometimes tragedy of everyday events, or you know, kind of more horrifying things like this. But I think this guy, more than other songwriters, charts like a spiritual philosophy across mm. his records, and I don't know if it was intentional. Because it's sort of difficult to know how brilliant he is, like you know, because he, he presented himself as as sort of down home fella who was who was like straightforward guy, but like the lyrics betray something else. And I think right. uh, that's you know, pretty cool when that happens. Oh yeah, yeah. Like how unassuming like a, a brilliant artist can be. Like you you know you'd think they'd kind of be showy or mysterious, enigmatic when they're just like yeah hi. I do what I do. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. like that when you see that. Right. He's like the anti-Scott Walker. Like this oh, sort of no. Thank, thanks for having me here. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's not, he doesn't have like Dracula's cape on or whatever. Uh, and he's got for, for people, for our listeners who, for anyone who struggles with anxiety, like this, this artist is your songwriter. Like I've never heard another songwriter mm. write about anxiety the way that he does. You know, there's a line, it's a mm. half an inch of water and you think you're going to drown. Like that kind of line. That's good. It's just. It's just great. And that line from the song Bruised Orange does that well. I'll leave you with like a stanza from that. All right. He says it's about that, that, that little boy that, that got hit by the train that was coming slowly up behind him. He said, you can gaze out the window, get mad and get madder, throw your hands in the air, say, what does it matter? But it don't do no good to get angry. So help me, I know. For a heart stained in anger grows weak and grows bitter. You become your own prisoner as you watch yourself sit there, wrapped up in a trap of your very own chain of sorrow. Fuck me, you know I'll never. Wise words. I'll never write anything close to yes, that. Yes, you will. <laughs> It'll be good in a different way. Well, we Can't I think compare it directly. John John Prine fans who are also songwriters like this is the kind of stuff we try to approximate when we get it emotion. And I'll I'll leave it at that. I, I when he All died right. when he died I wrote something uh, where I said I feel like showing people in your life the music of John Prine is an act of love, and I can't think of a better compliment than that for any songwriter you know i love it you absolutely did him justice 
I think right, the, the John, I think the John Prine fans are pleased. I hope so. And it was so. all totally wasted on me. So I'll, I'll be the jackass this week. That's the way it goes. No, I, I did kind of dig that third tune. I'm glad that I'm get, dipping my toes in the water. I, I should know more about this dude. He's also one of those guys, like, I mean, the first time you heard Randy Newman, where you're like, oh, hell yeah. You know, like, I think. <laughs> with, I kind of was that way a little bit. But. <laughs> well, with some of these artists, like, who are sort of more uh, left of center in the way they present yeah. the songs, like, sometimes it takes a while to get into stuff, like. It's fair. So you don't yeah. know. You don't know. Maybe I just need to mature a little bit more. Who knows? No. And I think, you know, as we say always, like, there is no right or wrong way to listen to music or, you know, how, you don't have to listen to love an artist that other people love. And, you know, how much shit do we get for artists that we've kind of indicated that we don't love on this podcast? Yeah. What are you going to do? Losing my opinion. I'm going to cleanse my palate. And I'm not gonna. I am not gonna retaliate by not liking what you bring in. I'm gonna. I'm gonna listen with an open mind. Well, save it for another week because you. I. I. Uh, I would be shocked if you're not already deep fan of this artist I'm gonna talk about today. Whoa. Okay. And I think a li- This is kismet a little bit. I think our discussion from earlier is gonna flow right on into mine. I think it's gonna be a, a smooth, smooth segue. Okay. Um, but just to back up a little bit. So what are we? We're we're in early mid January. Uh, January, worst month of the year, would you say? No, I think maybe February. People might say that. My my comeback to that is February is one step closer to spring and it's shorter. I think I say to death. Okay, it's closer <laughs> to spring. Sure. January is like we're not even into February yet. The the, the grass is brown. Yeah. Skies are gray. California dreaming. Sure. Whatever, you know, fill in the blank, but it just sucks uh, generally, right? It's it's a crappy time of year. The holidays are over. Are you going to show me the mamas and the papas today? <laughs> no. I'll, I'll save uh, 1230 for a different day. I love that song. Sure. But uh, no. So it's this time of year, there's there's two artists in particular that I always like to revisit. I like to turn to um, okay. in this, this dark hour. The sun goes down at 430. And what do I put on? I'll, I'll give you, I, you'll probably get this. It, who are the two artists I'm thinking of? Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> Is it somebody gloomy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're talking gloom and doom today. So one of them is Leonard Cohen. Okay. I'm saving, you got to do, you, you worship Cohen, so I'm, I'm waiting for you to do the Cohen episode. I'm scared, I'm scared of it, but yeah. <laughs> the other artists that I always like to check out around this time, Revisit. It's like going back to an old friend, uh, Elliot Smith. Oh, wow. Oh, we're, we're traveling all the way to the other coast today. Wow. Mm-hmm. Gloomtastic voyage. Yeah. Uh, I, you got thoughts on Elliot Smith, right? I have a ton of thoughts. Yeah. I, well, I guess for starters, it's almost too, like, too brutal to think about. I remember when he died, I was in high school, I think. And like, I came in that day and was like, just really bummed out. Because it's like one of those things where it's just like... And the circumstances around it like couldn't have been worse. People are thinking it might have been foul play, but no, it's just the worst terrible. of all worlds. Yeah. Right, it's about as... as Everything around that, the, the few years leading up to it. As terrible yeah. as it could be. And um, I was a huge fan. And I was uh, like waiting for the next record, like I think a lot of people were. And I came in and was just really depressed. And I think my... I had an English teacher that I loved... And she was like really in tune with indie music. Like she loved Wilco. And, yeah, yeah. And I was like, we kind of looked at each other when it came in. It was first class. And we both just kind of were, were looked depressed. And I was like, can you believe it? 
and, and then we started talking about it. And then some of the other students came in. They were like, well, who are you talking about? You know, so that, that's kind of, kind of my experience with Elliot Smith. It's just like feeling extreme, extremely passionate about him and his music, um, but also not being surrounded by a lot of people who were into him. But right. when people use the word Beatlesque, like they, it, that word is thrown around way too much. Because I think that if, yeah. if you're saying Beatlesque, it, it should be that it's backed up by musical content. That it's close to that yeah. vibe uh, and, and also artistic merit. And he is yeah. right there. You could just do this segment for me. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yes. If any artist in the last 30 years deserves to be truly called Beatlesque, like he's on the top of that list. Yeah. Um, and then you also said, yeah, a lot of people don't know him, don't click with his music. So obviously you're a fan. Did you like all his stuff? Do you have favorite albums? I love all of his records. I mean, yeah. I think... Right? He's um, never made a bad song. I have not heard one song where I'm like, oh, you phoned this in, this shouldn't have been made. Like, he brings it every fucking track. Whether or not it's too depressing is another story. That's separate. I don't... I mean, do you think I care about the depressing <laughs> moniker? I, I, I mean, well... From a basement on the hill, I'm like, these are all cries for help. Why is he still a recording artist? Get help, dude. Like, stop being an entertainer and touring. Like, I can totally understand why some people, maybe people who are closer to him, like, this is gross. Why did you release this album? It's still, you got Fond Farewell, you got Coast to Coast, you got brilliant songs, but it's like, it's this gross feeling in your stomach at the same time, or at least for me. You know what I think about sometimes? And I'm not sure if I'm taking this in too sad of a direction. It, for we what probably you, will. What that, that's wanted. what today's I mean, hap- that's what happening. Elliot Smith, yeah. I'm not sure what you thought would happen. We're not going to be able to avoid it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I, I, have, I had a really immature thought and perspective when I heard he died and when I heard from a basement on a hill. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of it, – I feel very different now, but – when I heard that album, I thought, how could you want to leave this earth when you have songs in the can that are that beautiful and good? It was like... And then you listen to the lyrics, though. <laughs> right, but it's, well, it's just an immature perspective yeah, yeah. of like you were not young. understanding you were, yeah, you depression. Were, you know, and, but I was... Te- I, just another teenager. Right, yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't get it. And, uh, but I was just like, how, how could, you, how could yeah. you leave this work behind? Uh, because that record to me is one of his one of his best. I mean, there, there are so many good songs on that. Uh, I, I can't say that I'm like, you know, I know Roman candle, like I'm, I'm familiar with that. Uh, whatever yeah. heat miser. There, there's the, the basement recordings period. Right, right, right. I really come on board with the self-titled, I think, which is where a lot of people, um, that where, this is where I think things start to get great. Ah, man. So I gotta, I'll just, Got to get out of the way here. What, what's my part of my point with bringing him up today? Yeah, what's the argument? Um, I well, it's it's more of a question, and there's a couple questions, and it's it's just all a haze and confusion. And I'm glad I have you here because I think you'll be able to uh, to sort out some of these 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 ponderings. But I would say I could point to particular Niagara Moon albums and be like, uh, Elliot Smith was one of the biggest influences for me. Um, I'm I'm working on new music now. This the work he did and what and what he accomplished is is right up there on the list of you know influences for me and inspirations. But at the same time, Elliot Smith fans that I talk to, I've met a few. What really clicks for them is just his emotional journey. Mm. As harrowing as it is, it's obviously very relatable to people. He sings about his struggles in a way that is very universal and revealing. 
Yeah. Um, and I don't identify with his emotions. Like I'm not, and I don't suffer from the things he suffers from. So mm. to be influenced by him, what does that mean? I'm not, like that's weird. And I, I feel, am I, the worst way you could put it, am I like a tourist am, am, <laughs> or like am I, am, am I appropriating what he did for a weird reason? Because it's like, Getting back to hearing John Prine. That's, it's really interesting that we are having this discussion right after right? we just talked about that. Yeah. It's like, I listen, I, I love all his albums, Roman Candle, but before I get to the fucking chorus of, what is it? I, I hate him. I want to give him pain. That, that's like the first oh, song yeah, of the first yeah. album. Yeah. I, uh, I, I want to hurt him. I want to hurt him. I want to hurt him. I want to give him pain. So that's yeah, intense. Uh, Roman Candle. Yeah, Roman yeah. Candle. More than that. I mean, that's a brilliant chorus and he's singing about his upbringing and it's all just horrible. But like, I'm listening to the chords first. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what voicing is that? Oh, and he's going there and that's the harmony he hears. Like, yeah. you know, is, isn't that kind of clinical and weird though that that's where I hone in on first? No, because I don't think, I don't think he would disagree. Like, that, and that's what's really, there, there's like an alignment here in the stuff that we like because he is like a raw nerve, Right. Uh, but there's also there's a lot of ornamentation in his music. Tons. He's uh, always double tracking his vocals religiously. Right. And beyond that, like all the counterpoint and like th yeah. there's just like uh, his orchestra. It's his arrangements castle. are amazing. Yeah, it's it's like a castle of trauma in in music. Yes. Oh, that's, that's a great way of putting it. And I and I don't think I don't think you have to dig into it lyrically. I think you can choose to if you want. I, I do, and that's why I have to be very careful about when I listen to it because it's so it's like taking uh, a break to watch uh, Soft White Underbelly on YouTube. Right? Yeah, it's not gonna help. He's you. the Soft White Underbelly of music. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's stories. It's people from Skid Row telling the stories, which have all always have the, the same sad hallmarks. But I'm like, you know, who am watching this? Who who am I? What am I doing? You know? And yeah. Is there? So it's it's that kind of feeling. So the other part of this, it's like, I'm super inspired by him, but what does that mean? I kind of want to unpack that. The other part is how universal can his music be to people who aren't on his emotional level or who aren't seeking out something like that? Because Beatles, everybody loves the Beatles. Anybody can get into the Beatles anytime. And his work, some of it is equal with the Beatles, but I can't recommend it to anybody. I can't share it with anybody else. It's how sad it is, right? But I think beyond the sadness... It's just the, the timbre of, the, of his voice. I mean, I think uh, it's the... Yeah, it is whispery. It's yeah. a, it, it is like, people say, oh, his voice is like a whisper. Like, he's straight up whispering. And that's why he has to double track his voice eight times to, like, get it to cut through the mix. Because he's mm. just kind of, he's just right up against the mic. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people doing the whisper approximation these days. But, like, I don't think it was really happening yeah. a ton then. Uh, it's quite unique, and and I don't know that um, everyone would hear that and be like, yeah, this is something I can get into. I think even if he was upbeat, which I don't know if you can be with that voice, it wouldn't. Uh, I don't. I don't know that everyone would love it. Huh. There's there's a hilarious moment that is kind of like depicts this point of kind of everyone not getting him and him not really fitting in in the mainstream, where uh, when he did the uh, Goodwill Hunting soundtrack, right. And there's that Oscars yeah. performance. Where he plays the Oscars in a big white suit, yeah, playing Miss Misery. Plays Miss Misery and he comes out and it's like sort of just like hilariously confounding because he's like, here he is in this like medley of <laughs> these like uh, 
gaudy production numbers and he just like steps out with his acoustic guitar he whispers into the mic and he, he, he is does who not he is. smile doesn't smile he looks nope. pretty uncomfortable and uh he just does his thing and then they move on and it, it's such a weird juxtaposition of like realness and um plasticity yeah. and uh I, I love it i love that moment that that happened all right well Put a pin in all that because we got to hear a song because <laughs> some people listening to this podcast are like, I don't know who or what you're talking about. I want to play to start here. If you have to pick a most universal, most beginner friendly Elliot Smith song, I do wonder if it's Son of Sam. Oh, sure. That's which is named after a serial killer. Which sure. Is weird, so, but... Yeah, that's the most uh, jaunty. A lot of stuff off Figure Eight could sort of fit into that yeah. category. Yeah, that's his easiest album, I think, to get into. It's still sad though, but I feel like sure. this is like the least sad song on that album, or at least you know, least obviously angry or whatever. Let's play "Son of Sam." We're we're stewing on the question: How universal can his his music be? Where, what's his his legacy in pop music history, given how mm. kind of polarizing his vibe can be? Yeah, so I want to play "Son of Sam" from uh, from. Figure eight, this is from the year 2000. So this did not sound like other stuff that was going on in 2000. No, no. The guitar work alone on this song is like, mm. Yeah. So, so you appreciate this one, sounds like. It's brilliant. Musically, it's brilliant. Yeah. The way that the coda and everything. The chords, man. You just get lost in those chords. And the fact that he's playing half the instrumentation by himself. Oh, man. Multi track. Up the wazoo. I love that the piano is just going wild the whole time. It's just mixed down. A lot of movement. This is really boppy, but yeah, it must be the voice. It's already something's off for a pop singer. Yeah, he's not a pop singer. No. Oh, the vocal harmony. Oh, how we can layer in vocal harmony. Oh yeah. Just for days, I'll appreciate that. He's always like my gold standard for when I'm doing a Niagara Moon song. Like, how much vocal <laughs> harmony? Should I fit in here? Can I fit in here? That's just good. Yeah. Right. Oh, I forgot about this section in the song, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's like two bridges. Yeah, this is the first bridge. I'm skipping ahead a little bit to get to my maybe my favorite part of the song. This little outro part here. It's haunting. Oh yeah, the, the vocal arrangement at the very end is great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the good stuff. Pretty ridiculous. 
And that's not even the best he has to offer. It's not even the best song on that record, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I loved it. On, on uh, Figure Eight, there's so much like haunting honky-tonk piano. Oh, yeah. As a pop piano Stay player. Stay with me, Angeline, and the Lost and Found. Oh, Yeah, as a pop piano player, like he's up there for me as like one of the greats. And I, I know people don't talk about that often, yeah. but like his piano playing is very distinct. So, all right, we've explored some things so far here. I think maybe the way to do it is instrumental versions of his songs that could like, and I'm sure some of that's gone on already, but you take like a Brad Meldow, famous uh, modern jazz pianist, or you could vitamin string quartet kind of shit. Like, mm. I, I don't think it would be a, sounds like you would agree it wouldn't be a disservice to the music to remove the lyrics and just kind of explore the melodic and the, the harmonic content on its own too. You know, sure. That, are, we, yeah. are we missing the forest for the trees? No, I think that's possible. I, I think these songs are like, here's the thing. I think these songs are pretty complicated. <laughs> and I All think of them. He, All of them. But the thing <laughs> is, he makes them sound smooth. And I think through and the natural. Air, like, right. of course, this is the next thing that would happen in the song. It's just right. we're moving along. There's yeah. nothing that sounds jarring and all these changes. And like, he's, this song is like essentially a suite or whatever. And it just kind of moves. And, and I, I think that's part of one of the things that makes him brilliant is that these, these songs are all pretty complicated. And people would describe this as like, I don't know, like folky indie pop or Baroque. something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he, 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 uh, he makes things that are complicated sound pretty simple. All right. So I'm, I'm not insensitive by kind of, you know, plucking all these musically specific qualities of his, of his stuff that I love and that I want to put into my own jams, but no, you know, I, not carrying over any of the, the emotional heaviness. No. You know? And I think it's a, it's a, it would be a drag to not be able to separate the end of, you know, his story or yeah. the end of his life from this incredible music, like to only have it be tinged by that would be a drag. Or, well, I'm not even thinking about the end of his life, just his decades long struggle. Like right. you have a traumatic, abusive childhood. It's like, that's a soft white underbelly. It's, it's, you hear the same story over and over and over. It's just like, God, where do you, humanity sucks sometimes. It's like, sure where do you does. go from there? Well, and it's also interesting, like you, you hear from, in like interviews and stuff and, and, um, people who are close to him said that he was hilarious. Like he was a really funny guy. I bet guy. he was a complicated guy too. I don't think he was one note. I don't think he was just a sad sack. And you, you, if you catch his music in the right time, I think that's why XO is my favorite. Oh, I love that record. Yeah. XO is it for me because it's a little less cloudy and doomy than self-titled that's, or either or. I love all that stuff, but it's like. Yeah, either or is pretty depressing. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like he sounds like he's at a better time in his life. I mean, there's still plenty of darkness, but he kind of ping ponged back and forth, right? Because you have yeah. this self titled forgetting about Roman Candle, but you, if you if you have the, the self titled, which and, and either or, I think are like either or is like uh, is the revolver to the self titled Rubber Soul, where he kind of just like does some similar thing, but maybe better. And with XO, that's like his first. Major label record, you could kind of hear it. That it's his first. Oh major. yeah, that, it's his most accomplished to my ears. Like, and it, and it isn't marred by the downward spiral that he had in the last few years of his life. Like, we're not quite there yet. With figure eight, that melancholy comes in, and then from yeah. a basement on a hill is like uh, it's fucked. His it, it support is. system is gone. He's he's yeah. It's really he had raw too much nerve. money, t- too much attention on him. That Carson Daly interview, God, that's painful. This is <laughs> this is quite a few that are rough, and yeah, that one is yeah. up there. Yeah. Oh, What's your buddy. favorite XO track? 
tomorrow, tomorrow. That's what we got. Really interesting. Yeah. I like that song. I would say Baby Britain is up there, but I mean, it's just getting better. But man, it's a great homage to uh, that Sergeant Pepper's track. His, his sure. Yeah. Um, What's yours? I hate to sound like a waltz uh, number two Philistine, but like, damn man, like yeah. you know, it's like saying your favorite yeah. song on Let It Be is like fucking dig it or something. Like it's it's just. I've, I I've covered I've covered Waltz number two, so I've like played it to myself too many times sure. to have it. You, you know, know you know what? Fresh. Also, uh, songs that I feel that don't get enough attention. Question mark. Love mm, question mark. That's one of my lesser. I mean, I love it, but it's, it's still lesser on that. Oh, 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 it bled white. And bled white. Oh, that's my second favorite. That's those so good. chord changes are fantastic. And bottle up and explode. Those bottle those, up and explode. Yeah, yeah that you, you just named a bunch of bangers here. Uh, we're running low on time, so I'm just going to cut straight to tomorrow, tomorrow. Okay. I know I usually like to do three songs, but uh, with Elliot, I'm, I'm satisfied if, as long as sure. we, we get to hear some of tomorrow, tomorrow's brilliance. This, is, this song haunts me in my sleep. Mm. I, there's parts of this song, and you'll know the part when it comes in, but it's so catchy, just so gets under my skin. This is the one where it's like, I know people who love the Beatles, and I think this is as accomplished in certain ways as the Beatles were able to do, and I can't. Share it with them if either it's the voice mm. or the the darkness. It's one of the two, but I'm glad that it's it's there for me and for you. Uh, so this this song doesn't make the hair stand up on the back of your neck quite as much as. Oh no, it's a great it's a great song. You just asked me for my favorite favorite. I, I, yeah. I all right. It's a testament to that freaking XO album. How hard it is to. That, it's Blood White good... is almost power pipe though. Power pop though. It is. Way. Yeah. That well, that's like his. Uh, yeah, he's moving from it's, it's like acoustic rock the XO. And I think with yeah. figure eight, he's like fully into alternative mode. Like there, there aren't as many straight up acoustic songs on that record. So this is like the, his, his, uh, moving towards that, this record is transitional record, but still it could be your favorite. All right. Well, thin layer, if you ever wrote a song like this, I don't think I'd be able to look at you the same way ever again. This is just, wow. this is some ghostly magic on this one. I'm, I'm willing to hype it up that much. It's a great song. What is happening with this guitar part, first of all? What the fuck mm. is... <laughs> how do you play something like this? There are very few songs of his that I could just, like, sit down and play. Everybody knows which way you go Straight to the No one wants to see you inside of me straight over This part coming up kills me here. I heard the hammer at the Say you deaf and dumb and dumb Give yourself another tongue So I make it sound like someone Noise is coming out, and if it's not out now, then tomorrow, tomorrow, they took your life apart and called you failures. Are they were wrong, though, they wrong, till tomorrow. It's just a 
great enveloping dark mystery of a song for me. I think I know one of the reasons why maybe not everyone would dig him is because like the way you're presented his music is I don't know this Rick is like, and Morty. Or sure. What, or what? the song that played while Luke Wilson, you know, attempted suicide in the Royal Tenenbaums. <laughs> That's right. Like you're too or, or that people think of it as, you know, the same way I think people think of Nick Drake and these artists obviously align for a couple of different reasons. And when, when they think of those artists, maybe you think of music that is sad, but also passive, that it's something that you can kind of just have on and it will elicit a mood. Right. Yeah. And it will elicit a, a gloomy Play it at a cafe. feeling. Yeah. But it's not that because it commands your attention because you can't just have that on a Spotify playlist and people not be like, what? And I think... Uh, even though we said before that his music sounds not simple, but that it washes over you, uh, you still have to pay attention because you you, yeah. you can't. This is not, it's not passive music just because his voice sounds like that. Yeah, he's he's having intense conversations. Yeah, uh, and also what I appreciate about him again, I think he was a complex guy. I think he was you know had a lot of different moments and a lot of different moods. He's not a sad sack in his writing. That's not like the perspective he's coming from, at least in most of the albums. It's like no, and I there's think a lot going on. It's unfair. There's a lot of different conversations happening. It's not fair to look at, just because of how he died, to look at all of his lyrical content as like this foregone conclusion. You know, right. like I, I think that's, that's messed up. People do that with Kirk Cobain too, and it's just like... Yeah, fuck that. You know, yeah. <sighs> well... You feeling good? You feeling uh, peppy after this one? Yeah, I feel great. <laughs> what you What you learn today? Oh, this is I want to. It's been a while since I listened to Elliot Smith. I, I, my favorite record of his, I think, if it's not Figure Eight, I, I tend to listen to the one I listen to the most is from a Basement on the Hill, and oh. I think it's just because there's You're nothing that sounds like masochist. that record. Yeah, there's just like a blast of sad energy yeah. uh, angry that that one's angry and stormy and i mean it's still beautiful and great and i enjoyed listening to it the other day but like that that's like the if you're deciding to get a nelly smith that's like the last one even after like yeah. new moon and stuff yeah that's i wouldn't the last necessarily one on your list start yeah. with that but i couldn't believe it because i heard it i think it obviously came out posthumously i was just yeah. could not believe how good it was like fond farewell strung out again oh Oof. Pretty ugly before. Like th- these are these Kings songs. Kings Crossing are, Station, something like that. Kings Crossing. Yeah. 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 Oof. It's rough. Heavy. Well, I learned that, uh, or rather, I will learn the wrath of the John Prine fans because I not really didn't. Wrath filled people. <laughs> All right. Good. Good. I, not... I learned that. I learned John Prine people are accepting of the fact that I'm just I'm missing the boat. These are not like, uh, yeah, they're not Kiss fans Good. or whatever. Like they're, they're they're not Steely Dan fans. They're not Steely Dan fans. Get yeah. rid of him. He's not your friend anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they they they're fine. They're they're all set. Cool, cool. Well, hey, if you like this episode of Losing My Opinion, I'd hope you would uh, think to subscribe on your platform of choice so you catch all future episodes. Leave us a rating or or a review. I just I want us. Take your input. I want to know what you're, what's in your brain. Why are you listening to this show? Mm. What's going on with you? We're all about constructive criticism <laughs> here. We, yeah. thri- we thrive on it. And you can also follow Losing My Opinion on Twitter, Instagram, or even TikTok, all mm. at Losing My Opinion. We share uh, amusing little clips. Get yeah, to well, faces some really like. strong dance challenges from today's episode, I'm sure. Yeah, do the Elliot Smith do hustle. The- <laughs> right. <laughs>
I could, you know, I was saying, you know, I could just take her, leave John Prime. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Are you going to triple track that? I'm going to triple track that. Triple track it, yeah. And I'll say so long, suckers, and we'll see you next week. I got static in my head. The reflected sound of everything. Tried to go to where it